Hello and welcome to the Lancet Psychiatry Podcast. I'm Niall Boyce, the editor. And today we're going to be talking about antibiotics. That is not a mistake. It is the subject of a new paper published online first and in open access by the journal. And it's about minocycline for negative symptoms of schizophrenia. This is the Benamin trial. It's very hotly awaited in the community. And I'm very pleased to be joined by one of the authors, Bill Deacon of the University of Manchester. Hello, Bill. Hi, now. So let's start right at the beginning. Minocycline is a broad-spectrum tetracycline, so it's an antibiotic. It's been used in the past for treatment of conditions such as acne. Why is it being used in a psychiatry trial? Well, it goes back a long way, actually. So maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago, it was discovered that uh, minocycline could have neuroprotective effects. And quite how that came about, I'm not sure. It was found in sort of cell cultures that uh, it could protect neurons that were growing in a, in a sort of petri dish um, from uh, toxicity. Uh, and somebody did a, a study in a mouse model of Huntington's disease, which is a neurodegenerative disorder, and uh, it showed promise there that it slowed down the progression of this otherwise uh, you know, sort of unrelenting neurodegenerative disease in a, in a mouse model of it. The, the mouse were given the, uh, the Huntington's genes, and they seemed to do better on minocycline. So there were strands of evidence suggesting that uh, through an unknown mechanism that uh, it could protect neurons and make them survive better when, uh, when there's a lack of oxygen or there's glutamate around or some dis- dis- dysfunction in neurotransmitters. But it's a long way from a petri dish and from mouse models into actual clinical benefits. Um, and so that the purpose of the trial was really to um, see if it worked for negative symptoms of schizophrenia. Now, there's a very specific rationale, I'd imagine, as to why it would be used for the negative symptoms. These are the symptoms of schizophrenia, which have really tended to be poorly addressed in, in trials and practice over the decades. Well, that's, that's certainly right. There's a, there's a huge unmet need. I mean, you know, antipsychotic drugs, they all block dopamine D2 receptors, and they're great for um, dealing with the positive symptoms, delusions, hallucinations, and thought disorder, that sort of thing. Uh, and it's, it's, a, you know, it's a miracle of, uh, to see that happen, actually. But uh, often um, people are left with residual symptoms um, of social withdrawal, apathy, lack of self-care, not particularly wanting to be with other people, uh, being up at night and not in the daytime, um, and, and that kind of thing. So those are called the negative symptoms of schizophrenia. And uh, a proportion of people with psychosis, you know, a lot of people get better, only have one episode, it's, it's not doom and gloom by any means, uh, but a proportion um, develop negative symptoms. And there's really no um, medical treatment for that. Um, and some psychological therapies can help, uh, sort of brain training type stuff. But uh, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty um, difficult to, uh, to show benefit. So... Um, one of the rationales for being interested in neuroprotection, and that's the first reason that we got into using minocycline, is that studies show that uh, you know, we've known for quite a long time that there is enlargement of the cerebral ventricles uh, in people with uh, schizophrenia. And some of those studies relate to that index of um, brain, subtle brain atrophy to negative symptoms. And it was thought that those uh, subtle changes um, occurred early uh, in development and that schizophrenia was a neurodevelopmental disorder. But then about 10 or 15 years ago, this is what really got me uh, inspired, was that uh, imaging, longitudinal imaging studies suggested that there was a lot of grey matter occurring as you uh, develop your psychosis from being uh, at risk. 
suggesting that there's some sort of progressive uh, element going on, uh, and if we could find some neuroprotective agent, and we try to think of what ones there might be, um, you could slow the progress and the development, particularly of the uh, negative symptoms. So the idea of this trial was to use minocycline with these neuroprotective effects you've been talking about to see if it could uh, arrest that sort of organic process uh, which which has been detected in other studies of the sort of long-term trajectories of, of schizophrenia. And there, there were sort of two parts to this. So the first is seeing if, ha if it had a clinical effect, and then you also had a, a biomarker outcome as well. Yes. Well, the, the second part, you know, the, the initial rationale was to try and find a neuroprotective agent. Um, and, um, but then it became clear, a lot of interest in the idea that schizophrenia involves inflammation. One mechanism of that progressive change might be that there's some sort of inflammatory process going on. Uh, and it's been known for a long time that uh, if you measure inflammatory markers in the blood, things called cytokines, for example, or another thing called C-reactive protein, it goes up whenever you have an infection or any sort of uh, inflammation. Um, and it coordinates a whole cascade of uh, defending the body. And then there are autoimmune disorders as well, which seem to sort of co be, be, to go along with uh, the risk of psychosis uh, and in people, you know, families of people with psychosis. So various lines of evidence pointing to the possibility of uh, an inflammatory cause. And it was discovered, and we knew um, clinically it was discovered, that minocycline uh, has anti-inflammatory effects. So in, in, in physical diseases, which are not even uh, infections, minocycline was effective. Things like psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis, um, minocycline has benefit. So there became huge interest, not only as minocycline as a uh, you know, protecting neurons, but also working as an inflammatory, uh, uh, anti-inflammatory uh, agent. Um, so um, that, that was the reason then for looking uh, in the study to see if we could detect inflammation, uh, if we could detect changes in gray matter of the brain uh, and see whether they were modified by minocycline. So for this study, it, I mean, looking at, at the design of it, it, it looks as if the basis of it's pretty simple, but in, in practice it, it was quite a complex study to run. It involved 12 NHS trusts, and you were recruiting 207 people, so roughly 100 in each group. And then you were giving minocycline, minocycline, tomato, tomato, that's a difference in our pronunciation of it, um, 200 milligrams a day for two weeks, and then 300 milligrams for the remainder of this 12-month period. You were matching that with placebo in the other group. And at what time points did you assess the participants in this trial? What were you looking for uh, in terms of the, the patient's um, function, then also in terms of the biomarker? Well, there have been a lot of small-scale, not, not a lot, maybe half a dozen small-scale studies, including one that we did uh, in another country. Um, with minocycline that suggested that uh, a year of treatment, and in one study, six months, um, was enough to show a beneficial effect on negative symptoms. So one thing we wanted to establish was a time course. Could it be that uh, minocycline was not acting particularly uh, in, in terms of stopping neurodegeneration, but as sort of boosting the brain? Uh, and there are some reasons for thinking how that, that could happen. So we wanted to look at the whole time course. We wanted to see if we could repeat what others had reported that uh, in small-scale studies that there was an improvement in negative symptoms with a long-term treatment. And you might think that if, if there is a progressive uh, element to this, you need about a, a year in order to be able to see that. There's, there's nothing rapid about this in schizophrenia. But also we wanted to see if there might be some early 
effect as well. So we looked at, uh, we followed patients up at two months, at six months, at nine months, and 12 months. Uh, and then uh, we stopped the trial medication and saw them again three months after that to see if there was any rebound. I mean, perhaps the drug was you know, needed to be on board and have a beneficial effect, and so if you stop it, you'd see a rebound. Um, so that was the time course of the clinical assessments. And the biomarkers, we measured gray matter volume in magnetic resonance imaging scans, just looking at the structure of the brain, uh, and repeated that after 12 months. Um, and we measured cytokines at uh, baseline and... Uh, six months and 12 months. So we could look at neuroprotective effects, we could look at anti-inflammatory effects and see if they related to uh, any improvement. And so the important question is, what did you find? Well, we got pretty excited before we decoded because some early parallel imaging studies are going on using positron emission tomography. And you can um, inject a radioactive drug that tacks onto uh, inflamed cells in the brain, uh, immune cells in the brain called the microglia and they get active uh, if there's any sort of inflammation going on. And those early studies seem to show that there was uh, inflammation going on, and we know that minocycline can affect microglia. So we, we were really sort of uh, you know, buzzed up. Maybe these people have got inflammation going on, as a PET study suggests, and we're giving the go-to agent that uh, suppresses those, that inflammation, those inflammatory cells specifically. But we found uh, nothing at all. There was nothing to see at any uh, time point. So 100 versus 100 uh, patients, on placebo, on, on active drug, no benefit on uh, any symptoms of schizophrenia, certainly not on negative symptoms, uh, nothing to see on uh, the gray matter measures, and nothing to see in terms of the cytokines. So this is a negative study, in other words. It is a totally negative and decisively negative uh, study. Whichever way you cut it up, you, you know, you, there's nothing to see. Well, I, I don't know about nothing to see, because one of the questions which uh, I'm asked quite a lot as an editor, is do you publish negative studies? Um, and there's a perception that negative studies aren't you know, interesting or exciting enough for editors. But I, I, I like negative studies if they're well done and if it's an, an important negative. And it strikes me that this uh, is an important negative study because this, as you say, is a story which has been um, going for uh, almost two decades now. And this this really gives us some definitive uh, answers. Now, they're not maybe the answers that, that you'd want from the perspective of providing better care for people, but nevertheless, the answer is, is I think, of value. I wonder if there are any future research directions which this trial opens up. Well, perhaps, perhaps I can sort of respond in a slightly different way, that uh, like you, I think negative studies are very important, and uh, especially when there's this huge interest in the possibility that the microglia in the brain are kind of inflamed and that's what brings you into uh, psychosis and cause the, causes a, a sort of accumulation of negative symptoms and I think we can rule that out that's the, uh, the great thing about it it's not saying that uh, inflammation might not have a role it could be relevant very early on in the development so we were looking at people um, nearly all of them would have had um, three to five years nobody would have psychosis for longer than that so that's quite early on but perhaps those very early ones it's very hard to find people at that stage but uh, Perhaps there could be something going on there. But, uh, and then the further imaging studies that came along also show, uh, in fact, that uh, in, in psychosis, in schizophrenia, the micro, there's no microglial activation. So there was, there's nothing for menocycline to have acted on, we now think. 
Um, so it rules out a whole sort of category of uh, explanations of the role of inflammation uh, in, in schizophrenia. But it leaves open the possibility that other kinds of inflammatory cells might be involved. And I think those are the ones that we need to uh, focus on. So these are the, the cells that get involved in acquired immunity. When you, when you, when you develop an immunity to uh, an infection you've had before, uh, it's that acquired immunity system that gets involved in autoimmune disorders. Um, and it might be that uh, changes in the brain are happening because of uh, a different kind of white cell um, that's involved in acquired immunity. So uh, that, I think, needs uh, looking at. So I can't see much point in doing further studies of minocycline until we've got uh, harder evidence that uh, in that stage of schizophrenia there is some sort of uh, microglial activation going on. Until that happens, it's, it's, there's no point, I think, looking any more at minocycline. Maybe in uh, a chronic population there might be some role, but uh, early on as a protective agent, it's, it's, uh, there seems to be no point in doing further studies. So I think it uh, helps us to focus the search. It gives us ideas about what sort of mechanisms to probe in the future. Uh, and uh, the way I'm thinking is that uh, these so-called T-cells uh, may be involved and account for the association of uh, schizophrenia with uh, risk of autoimmune uh, disorders. So it's not so much a dead end as a signpost. Totally. Turn right instead of left, you know. <laughs> That's marvellous. Bill Deacon, thank you very much for joining us. And you can download this paper for free. It's open access from our website. Thanks to you, the listener, for downloading this podcast. And I do hope you'll join us again next time. But for now, goodbye.